0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Two Cyber Chicks podcast. You're about to join Erica and Jax for an inclusive cybersecurity conversation designed to educate and break the stereotypes of cybersecurity professionals while providing life hacks on how to handle burnout, networking, and goal setting. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever.
1: Welcome back, fam. Today's episode is a really great one. We are joined by Elizabeth Letardo, one of my dearest friends. Elizabeth has had an incredible career journey, and I'm super excited for our listeners to hear more about it today. Elizabeth is a VP of client services. She's a consultant, a LinkedIn learning instructor, a mentor, and an author. Thank you for joining us today. I would love to kick things off today with just letting our audience learn a little bit more about you and how your journey has led you to where you are today.
2: Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on the show. I'm a longtime listener, so this feels like a cool meta moment. Love so. uh it. Erica, you and I have been friends for a long time since third grade, but I think our professional journeys probably started a good bit after that. Professionally, I, uh, I worked in advertising for a long time. I've always been really interested in human behavior. I went back to school and got a master's in organizational psychology and moved from selling advertising to teaching people how to sell. And it's been a really fun journey ever since. But the themes of my career are definitely human behavior, what makes people tick, and how do we leverage that to have more engaging experiences.
3: Wow Elizabeth uh, when Erica was telling me about your background and how long that you guys have known each other and a little bit about what you do now I was really excited that we were going to be able to have you on the show because you one of the things that you talk about and we're going to dive into is noble purpose and I want to like understand because you were just saying that you have a degree in psychological what was it it was
2: organizational psychology
3: organizational psychology okay so in a Few words, 30 seconds or less. What is that?
2: It's like therapy for people at work who don't want to call it therapy. No, I'm just kidding. Organizational psychology is is what it sounds like, the science of how an organization works. So that includes everything from employee engagement, how do you attract talent, retain them, keep them motivated, to how do you continue to develop your talent on the training side. So lots under that umbrella, but all about making work suck less, as Adam Grant says, another organizational
3: psychologist. I love that. Yeah. How to make work suck less. I, I think that remote work has honestly started to help a lot of individuals with work sucking less, especially with mm-hmm. moms and being able to balance childcare and spending more time with your family. But I digress. Let's dive into noble purpose. I want to talk more about your brand and you usually attach your brand is it's often attached to noble purpose. Mm-hmm. But again, in your words, how would you explain what noble purpose is? Well, we
2: hear a lot about purpose in the business vernacular now. People are talking about purpose from a branding perspective. They're talking about purpose from an employee engagement perspective. But for us and what noble purpose is centered on is your noble purpose is how you make a difference at work, both individually and your job and as an entire organization. In that sense of purpose, when you identify what it is, can be the bedrock for decision making, can be the bedrock for innovation, it can be the bedrock for more compelling customer conversation. So we talk about noble purpose, there are some books attached to it, selling with noble purpose and leading with noble purpose. But I think all of us have our own experiences with purpose and we know what it feels like when our work is connected to something more purposeful than a to do list.
3: Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that for me, I need to have it tied. My purpose, my drive has got to be tied more than to my to-do list or my outlook calendar because right. it makes me really drained. And I think that I think that's something that's very common in the workforce. And because if you do goal set, maybe you don't do it right because you don't have a noble purpose. You just have these these task lists that you're checking off, but you're not really seeing like, what is my dream? What's my vision? How do I get that motivation? That's kind of how I'm sensing when you're talking about is like noble purpose, feeling that that burning sensation inside of your gut when you talk about something because you know what your purpose is. And I know for myself, I still I I still strive to find that on a continuous basis, at least for me. It's always trying to f- find that drive and that motivation. Do you being in this space and working working in the space and helping people find their noble purpose, do you have any tips or tricks for individuals like myself that could help me like identify and refine what my noble purpose is?
2: Well, and it's interesting you bring up virtual work connected to this question, because I think a lot of times for as great as virtual work can be for balance, we lose some of the context when we go virtual. We tend to think of doing these things in isolation. So when you do a report, for example, and you send it off. In the office, you used to hear, oh, you know, we're following up on that, here's where it goes, this team's using it, it's the basis for this decision. But in a virtual world, that can feel pretty isolating. So what's helpful if you feel like your purpose tank needs to be a little bit fuller, is to ask yourself, and then what happens? And then what happens when I send this report? Okay, another team uses it to make decisions. And then what happens as a result of that? And for yourself, Filling in that context can make those to-do list items or that Outlook calendar back-to-back feel a lot less draining because you're exactly right, Jax. Knowing the context keeps us moving in the right direction and it keeps us engaged in what we're doing.
3: So what it sounds like you're saying is... Having a goal, having, having a strategic plan or a goal of where you want to go and doing follow-ups and refinements of that goal and kind of checking an azimuth as you're going through it. And that continuously helps you to refine and, and stay within your noble purpose. Is that right? Is that what you're saying?
2: Absolutely. It helps you stay engaged in it and it helps you make the right decisions. If you don't have the big picture in mind, be it in regards to your noble purpose or even just a project, pushing through is going to be pretty challenging. So when we think about the why of our work, the greater context, constantly pulling ourselves back into that that thought track keeps us in it. And you're right, it keeps us motivated towards that bigger picture.
1: All right. So Elizabeth, you are and have been a great educator and a great mentor for a long time. That is something that was very natural to you with your abilities, and then you're also like passion for learning. And something that I think is so awesome is is all of the work that you put in to give back to the community by doing instruction. And you know, obviously I've taken your courses, <laughs> and watched your videos, and I think you do an amazing job. But, you know, at some point, I know while you were doing that, you decided to go back to school to get that master's degree that we were just talking about. And I'm curious to see, you know, at what point when you were, you know, teaching courses on like a lot of business coaching, negotiation skills, mm-hmm. really, really important topics that like everybody needs, needs, honestly, it should be mandatory to take these courses if it were up to me. But, you know, at what point when you were going through all this content, where you Were you kind of like, hey, I want to learn more about what makes these organizations tick? And what I'm trying to, you know, gain out of this is kind of, you know, what was that turning point to like make you want to go back to school to learn more? And then how has it really impacted or shifted the way that you've taken your career on since then?
2: Well, there was a uh, an interesting moment that sort of encapsulates all of it where I knew I wanted to pursue my education further. Something was calling me to do that. I've always believed learning was important. And the natural next step for me was an MBA because I was in consulting and starting to become in training. And that was just what people did. So I was online searching through MBA courses. And honestly, not feeling that excited about it. It just kind of seemed to make sense, right? It was a next step no one could really argue with. But the courses to me, didn't sound that engaging. I didn't want to go deeper on things like finance or logistics or things that weren't that compelling to me. I'm certainly glad they're compelling to some people because we (laughs) knew those, but it just wasn't for me. So I decided to double click on my interest in the human behavior part of it and do something a little bit more niche. And that was instead of a master's in business administration, a master's in organizational psychology. And I I feel like that helped me sink my teeth into the behavioral element of organizations in a way that an MBA might not have. And that first one was always my bent towards the people side. I love that answer. How do you feel like it's impacted the way that you, you work
1: now? I know that, you know, obviously communication is a given, you have further understanding, but talk to me a little bit about like any kind of shifts that you've made or that you've become self-aware of that you weren't before.
2: I feel like to me, going back to school was a gut check on a lot of things. And I'm sure you too have felt this too, where you have like a hunch about something, but you don't have the data to back it up. So before I went to school, I was always in all of the training I did, trying to be really creative, trying to work in tactical elements, trying to use games and all these things that I enjoyed as a facilitator and the, the things that I enjoyed as a participant when I was on the other side. And then when I went to school, I got to hear all this data about why that stuff actually works. So I got a lot of validation and I got to learn even bolder strategies for using things like kinetic learning, using things like peer coaching and being really creative when it comes to classroom learning, because I think that is an opportunity tons of organizations miss out on. And unfortunately, when we decide that learning is boring and only something we have to do for work, that has a ripple effect onto the rest of our life and our our interest in the general world when we don't like learning. So I think it really helped me fine tune my skills there and up the creativity in the classroom.
1: Mm, that's a great answer, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that all of us, especially three of us here are lifelong learners. I mean, we always will be and we'll always be seeking and eager for that education. But I think that you're so right, is especially when you're on the other side and you're either in a leadership position or you're in a training position. I mean, it's it is so it's so common for us to get boxed into that idea of like, this is how I'm wired and this is how I learn. And it's hard for us to, to get that kind of spark back to figure out, okay, well, this may not be resonating with them. What can I do to kind of shake things up? So I love that it gave you that perspective. And I'm, and I am 100% sure that it has made you that much better of an educator from that experience.
2: I certainly so, hope so.
1: <laughs> hey, I know it. So I'm going to pivot a little bit, but it's kind of on the same vein. With your expertise, I know I know you've probably seen and heard a lot with all of the organizations that you work with, a lot about this great resignation and this period of time that we're living in where we've never seen so many, not, not so much turnover, but e- even as part of that, a greater... I don't know what I want to do with my life and this aha moment that is happening across in this phenomenon. And I'm curious to see like what your take on it is and what, what opinions you have.
2: I got some hot takes on this great resignation. Well, and let's go back to where we started this conversation, right? Purpose. We all need to feel like there's a point at the end of the calendar. There is something behind this to-do list that is greater than the individual task and greater than even us as, as individuals. So I think the great resignation is really tied to that because what happened is everyone was thrust into this period of rapid change and reflection. And prior to this moment in time, or at least most of the time, that happened on an individual basis, right? Like a death of a loved one, a traumatic personal experience, a job loss. People have individual moments in their life that prompt them to step back and think, why am I doing this? Is this how I want to spend my time? Who am I? We have these moments as individuals. What happened 18 months ago and what's continuing to happen is Those moments are happening for everyone all at the same time. So everyone on a global scale is sitting at home wondering, is this really how I'm going to spend the rest of my life? And for a lot of people, the answer was no. And that is why one of the many reasons I think the Great Resignation is happening is people have recognized that we want our work to do more for us than just give us a paycheck. We want to feel like we are part of something special and doing something that really matters. And that's prompted a huge shift in the talent market.
3: Yeah, you you said two things, special and matters. And I'm I'm curious from your professional opinion on this. Do you think there could have been anything we could have done to prevent the great resignation from happening? Or do you think that it was just that time with all of the other things that had really started to take place in the world that we were starting to see and the impacts of war and politics? And I'm talking from and I'm talking from a lens from the Western culture from the United States. Do you really think that we could have done anything to prevent it? Or do you think it was just one of those times that the universe needed this kind of shakeup? And people were starting to see, and the younger generation was starting to see. I want to have a bigger purpose and social media is also helping with people to see there is more out there to to be and do.
2: I, I definitely agree with you. I think some of this was inevitable just in the arc of the universe. But I think what COVID did was expedite a lot of things that would have happened eventually, like the shift to remote work, being more aware of our buying power as consumers. When we talk about purpose-driven brands, expecting more of our employers, both from a compensation perspective and that emotional fulfillment perspective. So some of it is inevitable, of course, but what we have seen and what's really interesting to To dive into from a research perspective is the organizations who went into the pandemic with great engagement and how they were able to sustain that. So I think the organizations that had won the hearts and minds of their teams prior to this moment, the organizations that were making sure they were contextualizing the work, people were feeling the meaning, those organizations were able to hold on to their teams in a way that most organizations were not over the last 18 months. Yeah,
3: and to highlight on some of those organizations, We saw, and it was a lot from what I I saw, because I'm in the tech space, but I saw a lot of the successful organizations were larger tech firms that immediately, as soon as they could, they went to a, a remote workspace. They actually shut down a lot of their headquarters. And then they gave, they still, some of them still maintain their corporate facilities to allow hybrid in certain areas like Silicon Valley Valley, and some of the DC areas out here, but all of the ex- exterior or companies that were in like the suburbs, they all shut down and they wanted to get their employees the same level of benefits, if not more by providing them some, some therapy or online therapy. So they started, you know, providing more things for their benefits, more perks, wellness perks. And so I started seeing that, but what what i saw like for myself because i relaunched my own company and for myself and some other individuals i saw that and you mentioned this earlier about there never being a never end to the calendar and so i want i'm curious your thoughts around because i have my own kind of thinking around this and it's a really it's a hard challenge for me still to be able to provide a noble purpose for my employees when for myself and my work life, and it is sometimes unbalanced. I do work overwork. And Erica knows that about me. And my calendar is never ending. So what I have to do is I have to set times off or set vacation times. And those are my like goal dates. But what could employers could what are your thoughts about what can employers do in this new hybrid workspace where now employees are coming forward and part of their benefits package? is to work remote. But we know that some people work remote work harder than they did in the office because you don't have that separation. So what can employers start doing now to start providing the resource and tools to their employees to help them find their noble purpose?
2: That's a great question, to which I will uh, give the classic consulting answer of, It depends, right? It depends on the person, it depends on the job, and it depends on the circumstances. But what I think we can all agree on and what we've seen play out over the last 18 months is people our people. We do not put on our work hat and our home hat. Sometimes we don't even leave the same chair to make that transition anymore. So what I hope continues as a result of this pandemic and exactly what you spoke to is a bigger managerial emphasis on that whole person thinking. We need to be our best selves, whether that takes mental wellness programs, whether that takes some consolidated vacation days, whether that takes no meeting Fridays, it's really going to depend on what the organization the individuals need and what they're capable of. But what I hope never leaves anyone as a result of this pandemic is the recognition that we have to treat ourselves as whole people, whether we're at home, whether we're at work, whether we're in our community, you're only as strong as your weakest element of yourself.
3: I love that.
1: That's a great quote, Elizabeth. Yeah. I need to print it out and put it on my wall. Sounds awesome. So for any of our listeners that this conversation is resonating to them, maybe maybe they haven't found their noble purpose and they, you know, they're inspired to do so based on this conversation. What are some starting points? Any
2: recommendations, tips, tricks? Absolutely. So we're talking a lot in this conversation about how it is the duty of an employer to make sure that the work experience is both logistically and emotionally fulfilling. But some onus does rest on us as individuals, too. We don't have to, you know, stick our hand out and wait for someone to fill our spirits. You can find that noble purpose for yourself. And what my suggestion would be is to actually look at your job through an absence lens. And what I mean by that is if you're having trouble finding your noble purpose, ask yourself, what would happen if I just stopped? What would happen if I didn't do all of this And then what would happen? Who wouldn't have what they need? How would that impact them? What decisions wouldn't be made? What clients would suffer? Who would be confused? And through that thought train, imagining the lack of all that you're doing, it's Mm -hmm. oftentimes easier to see the profound impact you are having and all of the ways that your work, even if they're strung back-to-back calendar to-do list items, all of the ways those are making a difference.
3: Wow. Elizabeth, we could, I, we're going to have to have you on for a episode two. And we do that with a couple of our guests, because I think that we need to peel back this onion just a little bit more. And I think that this was a perfect timing for this episode because we're in the new year and this is a time where it's a lot of goals are being set And some of them are realistic. But as we we have seen, and what's unfortunate around this time of year is everybody does the New Year's resolutions and they fail because they start hitting, they start doing goals instead of finding their noble purpose. So I would love, like, I know we've got listeners right now that are, thinking about their current goals that they've set for the new years and they're listening to this and they might want to be able to reach out to you to talk to you more about how they can find their noble purpose, what would be the best way that they could contact you?
2: You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active. You can send me a message or follow me. I post regular articles about how to find more meaning and joy and fulfillment in the job you already have. So I I think it's interesting you brought up The Holidays. One of my favorite movies and one that connects to this conversation about finding purpose is It's a Wonderful Life, that super old movie. Have you seen it?
3: I have, yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah. And back to... How do we know we're making a difference? Only in that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, when he wasn't there, quote, and he saw all of the ways he was impacting his family and the community and his work, was he able to feel that sense of fulfillment? So I think it's interesting that that movie comes up every year on the holidays. We all, in periods of transition, like New Year, want to feel like we are making a difference. We are spending our time on this earth doing things that matters. And when we see the context of our actions, it's often right in front of us we just miss it because of those
3: freaking calendars oh my gosh yeah the calendars i love and hate them erica and i we're like color code like but it can put you in a tunnel so you've got to be able to and it can and it can actually for me it can stifle your creativity so just opening yourself up i love it it's this has been amazing erica i'm so glad you wrangled her in and had her come on the show thank you so much for coming on the show this is awesome
2: I was so glad to chat with both of you. I know all three of us have a passion for making the world a more productive, but also more meaningful place and using business as a force for good in that. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. This was amazing and we look forward to having you back.
3: Episode 2.0.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Two Cyber Chicks podcast with Erica and Jax. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think,